Ah, yes, there's the music. We're back underway, already up to episode 41 in season one of Cool Button Hockey Podcast. Greg, you know what excites me? Goals, goals, goals. I like to be wowed, okay? Whether I go to the theater, okay? Whether I look at an air show at the CNE, whether I like to watch a, you know, action film. And a team that wows me is the Florida Panthers. In this day and age, to be at four and change goals per game. What was their weekend like? 6-2 over Minnesota, which is a good team. Okay, they scored five against Chicago with some empty netters. I get it. They're a wow team. Do you think as they're constructed, they're built for the playoffs? Can they go on a long run? Yes, and, and, and all you got to do is just go back to last year's series versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. You want to see playoff hockey. You want to talk about hard, competitive hockey. Tampa Bay, Florida Panthers last year was exactly that. I mean, you talk about a team really pushing the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's what the Florida Panthers did. They pushed them from a speed point of view, a skill point of view, and a physicality point of view. They're built to, they're not just built for the playoffs, they're built to win in the playoffs. This is one of the top contending teams for the Stanley Cup. Make no doubt about it. Goaltending, defense, up front, the balance in their lineup. They got it all. And you want to play it physical? Okay, we can do that. You want to play skill? We can do that. You want to check? We can do that. Listen, this team should be taken seriously because they are a serious contender. Well, Colorado, as we speak, first overall, Florida number two, as the games get, you know, even Steven, so we don't have to just look at points percentages. I mean, they're right there. And whether Barkov and Huberto are together or not, I don't know if you like it better when they are or whether Sam Bennett plays with Huberto, but to go Barkov, Bennett, and then Anton Lindell, who's right there in the Calder conversation, Mason Marchman, oh my goodness, found money in Sam Reinhardt, a beautiful trade to bring in Reinhardt, Lindell homegrown, and then you look at Duclair, you look at Bennett and Marchman, Craig, they were there for anybody, the highest bidder, whoever wanted them. I love the way the franchise, they got high top picks first overall, and the way they've constructed the franchise, it's fun because it shows you there's no cookie-cutter formula. Oh, just no. They they mixed and matched. And that third line, which could be a second line, might be the best fake second real third line in the NHL. I love watching Lundell play. You, you know, one of the things we got to do is get away from this second line, third line. You know, bottom line is, is they have balance in their forward group. So, like, no matter what a team throws at Andrew Brunette, he's got options. He's got options to put players in different spots, to meet different challenges in his teammate. That's what I want. I want balance in my lineup. You know, you know this, Steve. I'm a huge Bill Belichick fan. And what Bill Belichick preaches is we need balance. We need the ability to, to confront any type of challenge that, that confronts us. You know, there, there's games that Bill Belichick goes, he goes, we're going to have to pass today. Up. Ah, we're going to have to run the ball today. Oh, we're going to have to play really good defense today. Bottom line is you have to have the players in place to be able to play different ways. That's what the Florida Panthers have. They have such a, an array of different skills and different attributes. They can mix and match. You ask yourself, okay, do I like Barkoff and, and Hoover together? Yeah, when it's right. And do I like them split up? Yeah, when it's right. But you can't split those guys up or put them together and maximize your team if you don't have the other players around them. Bill Zito's done a phenomenal job in there. A phenomenal job in there. Andrew Burnett, don't they need a coach? Oh, yeah. Remember how everybody said, oh, they need a coach? No, they don't need a coach. They have a coach there that's damn good. Damn good. 
And he, you want to know why they score? Because Andrew Burnett's saying, we got skill. We're going to score. We're going to go after it. We're not going to lock it down and play safe. Give me a break. I love what Andrew's doing. I love what the Florida Panthers are doing. Top. One of the top Stanley Cup contenders. So when we talk about inexperience, we talked about Rod Brindamore being in a different position than, say, a Martin St. Louis and a Dougie Waite when we used that example last week when St. Louis got hired. So Brindamore paid his dues as an assistant. Now, he didn't go down to the American League or he didn't go down to Major Junior and run his own program. And I'm not saying fast-tracked, but you don't have to, as I just said, go by the rules. It's not cookie cutter. So Andrew Burnett, when he first went in, people said, you're replacing a legend. How is this going to work? And it's seamless. It's almost as if, you know, like a Hollywood movie, uh, the person driving the, the semi said, I got to go back. You take over, jumped into the seat and, and nothing's changed. Do you believe in, in the playoffs experience and matching lines and being out coached by a, a John Cooper, if it's a second round matchup or, or, or meeting a Rod Brindamore, like what matters for playoff experience and how come Andrew Burnett has made the transition look so seamless and at times, Craig, so easy. It's never easy. Don't never think it's easy. It's never easy. Made it look easy. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, I know what you said. I, I, I'm just saying it's never easy. Who was on the bench last year when Florida played Tampa Bay in the playoffs? Andrew oh, Burnett. That would be Andrew Burnett as Joel Quenville's assistant. So, you know, he's got, he's got experience. He's got a different type of experience, right? But the thing, the beautiful thing about Andrew, and I know Andrew, the beautiful thing about Andrew is there's three things that stand out to me about Andrew. He's really, really smart, number one. Number two, he doesn't try to be something that he isn't. He knows where his strengths are. He knows what, what, where he needs support from within his group and from within his team. And number three is he is always going to ask for help. He is not one of these, I'm in charge. I know everything. Therefore, I'm the guy and I'm going to tell you everything. Like, Andrew's just, you want to underestimate Andrew Burnett? My father drafted him when he was in uh, Washington. He was drafted by Andrew Burnett. So all Andrew Burnett has been in his entire career is underestimated. Do you not think people should learn? Do not underestimate Andrew Burnett. Just don't do it. Thousand games, really good off. And now they're doing it as a coach. Listen, tell, tell you this. All Andrew does is just go about his business. You want to underestimate him? He goes, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm scared. I'm just, I'm just going to do the work. I'm just going to do what I got to do. And I'll show everybody. For the you know, kids out there. I talked about Anthony Duclair, brought him up, or Sam Bennett, Mason Marchman, three players in different situations, in theory, in different positions. If Duclair's a right winger, Bennett, a centerman, Marchman, a left winger. Marchman, the longer progress with his dad in San Jose, and then coming back up north. Sam Bennett, where it didn't work out in Calgary, and Anthony Duclair. You know, as a manager, I'm sure you love this type of thing because you're not just going to the rink and drafting McDavid or Huberdo or Barkov. That, that's easy. Grandma Coolius can do that. It's, it's making it work with other players. What's the message there or the example of a, a player can be in the KHL or they can be in the AHL. You know, you send out your scouting staff. You have your meetings. I just love to know what was said when they said, we got to get Sam Bennett or we can make it work with Mason Marchment or the analytics on Carter Verhage is he's better than an American league player. And they bring these guys in. It's easy when the stew tastes good. And you said, what did you put in here? Well, I tried this. It's easy to say, Oh, it's harder to do it before everybody knows. You mentioned Bill Belichick. 
when he got hired, was there fanfare? Oh, we're bringing in another recycled eight and eight coach. No, but it ended up working out. So where are you on the, I think it's exciting to kind of bring in these pieces, put them in the stew and have them work. Cause that's what Florida has done here. You haven't won anything. I, I understand that, but boy, oh boy, through 50 games, Craig of this year, forget about last year, 50 games of this year, they come at you in waves and they do it with so many different pieces. Don't they? Carter Verhage was on the 2020 Stanley Cup champions for uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. He didn't come out of the American Hockey League. <laughs> he was in the Tampa Bay organization before he ended up signing with the uh, Florida Panthers. So but not in this role. Not in this role. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. I'm just saying. But he was known. I'm gonna. I, what I'm gonna tell you is this, Steve. And 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 you know what? And 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 this gives me a little bit of a runway here. You know what the difference is between Seattle. And the uh, Vegas Golden Knights in terms of the roster composition. Seattle, Vegas, George McPhee hired people that had a significant background in amateur scouting. Significant background in amateur scouting. So they had that background on lots of players. They had a real understanding of, of what players had done. And, you know, maybe where a player had hit a, a, a roadblock or, 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 or just come up against maybe a lack of opportunity. Vegas Gold Knights, when they went and put their pro scouting staff together, nobody had an amateur scouting background. Nobody. How do you find Braden McNabb? You better know what Braden McNabb is. How do you find William Carlson? You better know what William Carlson is. One of the great things that the Vegas Gold Knights did is, is they said, we know what we can get here, but we're going to take a chance on, on real big upside. The, the, the Seattle Kraken didn't have anybody in their pro scouting that had any background <laughs> in amateur scouting. So now all you're doing is, is looking at what a player is right now. You don't have any benefit of going, well, I watched this player when he was 18 and 21 and everything. They didn't have that. So that's a major, major difference between Vegas. Everybody says, oh, the managers learned. Yeah, sure they did. And guess what? Seattle didn't have the background on, 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 on a bigger group of players. So what does Bill Zito have? He's got background. So they have people in place. They know what Mason Marshman, they know what his tra trajectory has been. They watch Carter Verhage. They go, well, he was a pretty good player in the minors. So let's get him signed here. You know, and, 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 and it's continuous. You mentioned Bill Belichick. Institutional knowledge, not only of your own organization, but of the league and all of the players. That's what it takes to be successful. That's why the Florida Panthers are able to find. That's what you got to do. That's, I, I remember, Steve, when I traded for Craig Conway. And we traded a really good player in Corey Stillman. Corey had been a center in junior. We were looking, we needed centerman. And we were looking for centerman. We asked Corey to try to play center. He was too locked into being a winger and a really good winger. He tried. We still needed a center. You know, we had our eyes on Michael Pekka and Craig Conroy. We couldn't get Michael Pekka. And, you know, we, we, we were juggling two things. And but, but Craig Conroy, absolutely. I'd watched Craig Conroy play since he was 17 years old at Northwood Prep in Lake Placid. I watched him at Clarkson. I watched him in the minors. I watched him with St. Louis. I, I felt that Craig Conroy had a lot of offensive ability, but if you're just going to watch him in St. Louis, you see a third line checking center. You know what the first question was asked of me when I when after the trade, because everybody thought it was a terrible trade, which is fine. I get it. You got to prove it. They asked me, they go, where are the goals going to come from? I said, the goals have been here. We need wins and we're not going to win without good centermen. Bill Zito has put together a team. Bill Belichick, if you don't have offensive line, defensive line, wide receivers, tight ends, defensive back, you're not going to win. Bill Zito's done a hell of a job there in Florida. 
See, I, I love that because there are times when I'm just looking at the average hockey fan or myself, I've seen a player at minor midget or junior and then in the NHL. So I have a book on that player. Mm-hmm. If, if you'd only pick up Craig Conroy as a third line center, what is Craig doing putting him in the middle with Jerome McGinley? How's that going to work? Hang on a second. He's got a pedigree of doing this. Now he has to prove it at the NHL level. But he, if he had never done it anywhere, and then I was going to put him in that spot at square peg round hole. And I love how you tied in Seattle, Vegas, and saying with Bill Zito, that Bill Zito basically said, Sam Bennett's available. We're going to get him. Because right now it's just not working in Calgary for whatever reason. But we believe he can be an impact player. Like he was when he was drafted in the top five. And he was in major junior. If it doesn't work out, we're going to take that chance. But then give me another player to be our second line center behind Barkov. Well, they didn't have one, so they made the move, didn't give up a lot, and got it. Had the book on Verhage. Had the book on Anthony Duclair. Remember Anthony Duclair was going around like it was do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, moving around, and you're thinking, oh, why didn't he stay in Ottawa then? Ottawa, why, why couldn't they make it work? And then the development of Mason Marchment, who doesn't want an up-and-down, has some skill, rugged winger to support Lundell, to go with, like Reinhardt probably thought, third line. What's going on here? Florida is just cooking that they're this stew. And again, it doesn't mean they will win an award at the end of June, but I like tying it all in together to the past, not living in the past, using the past to say, how do you expect me to ask this guy to do anything they've never done before? But the fact that they have, and you put them in a spot to succeed, that's managing. That's kind of top on down. They wouldn't have put Andrew Burnett in that spot if they didn't think he can do it either. They would have said, Andrew, you're the assistant. We're going to bring in, I'm just making up names, Tortorella, Babcock, whatever, or somebody else. But because they had the, you know, the compilation already together in-house, it's, it's fun. Scoring's fun. Winning's fun. I think they're saying, we'll take Tampa in the second round right now. And we, like the Red Sox, need to go through the Yankees to finally win. We in Florida, if, we're, if we got to do it and it's got to be Tampa, We'll do it as well, Craig. They deserve our love today on Podcast 41. Absolutely, they deserve the love. And, and, and you know, you talk about it too. And, and, and again, like think about Sam Reinhardt's a pointy game player. <laughs> He's a pointy game player for the Florida Panthers. So like, oh, okay, so call him a third line player. Go, I don't care what you call. I, I just see a good player. You know, Anthony Duclair was in Columbus. It didn't really work out all that well for Anthony Duclair in Columbus while Bill Zito was there. But Bill Zito didn't sit there and let uh, uh, an experience that might not have worked under a different coach influence him. He said, wait a second, this guy's got skill. I'm going to take a chance, <laughs> right? And so Bill Zito, just because you're in an organization, and, and, and this is a huge mistake made all the time. People go, oh, he was there. He'll like that player. How do you know? How do you know? How do you know he liked the player? You don't know that. I remember, I remember again, back to, I, I, I became the manager in Calgary and Bob Gainey uh, phoned me and he was offering me some players. And finally I said to him, I said, Bob, just because I was in Dallas when we drafted him, doesn't mean I like them and I'm going to trade for them. And he laughed, he <laughs> laughed. He goes, well, you got to try, don't you? <laughs> yeah. It means you know them really well enough to know whether you want them back or, or, or not. Um, Huberto career year, Reinhardt career year, Ekblad career year. There, there's so many things going well. Just Huberto and Barkov and Ekblad, we talked about picks. Do they need a magic playoff moment to 
I don't know, the, their, their aura. Like, we, we know they're great, but if they lose in the first round, there's if this team loses in the first round, there's still a stench. Like, it's it's great regular why? season. Why is there a stench? Because we, we live, we live no, in the no, playoffs. No. We live in the playoffs, Craig. That's great, but there's not a stench. It might be it might be just a situation where, how, how do we know? The New York Islanders, Bill Torrey told me this years ago. He told me that we had a really good team there. We kept falling short. He goes, I considered lots of different things. He goes, and he told me, he said, in today's world, this is, you know, the internet world and everything else. I probably, I probably would, the, the, the screaming to fire the coach. He goes, did I look at maybe a different coach? He goes, yeah. And it's the easiest thing to do is just look for, a, a, like, to change your coach. You know what the hardest thing to do is? Who's going to be better? And Bill Torrey told me, he said, I, I couldn't think of anybody better than Al Arbor. So I think we got to get away from this idea that there's a stench. There's one team that wins. Okay. Now, if you go out and you're not competitive or something happens and, you know, I could say, okay, listen, you better examine it. But when you lose, you know what? Sorry. I'm not buying Mr. Coolius. I'm not buying that there's a stench. If the Toronto Maple Leafs lose in the first round this year, there, there needs to be a real close examination of what they're doing. If the Florida Panthers lose. I don't think so. I think this is a darn good team with a lot of promise. Aaron Eckblad, I'll tell you what, I'm a voter. He's, He's in my top five defensemen in the National Hockey League this year. And he's clearly on my, I'm, 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 I'm probably not on my first all-star team, but he's on my second all-star team. Well, with all those players and how much you love them all, you might not think it's a stench. Maybe I do. There'll be an odor coming from South Florida if they were to lose in the first round. And because they're this good and they're playing this well, because if, if they were all 21 and you say, don't worry, They'll be here next year. And I know the Anders is a great example in theory, but we all know how that story ended. To think that Florida's going to win 19, and I know you're not saying that. You're just saying that they could. They would have changed El Arbor because they would have said, you guys you, you didn't win in 77. You didn't win in 78. You should have won. You should have won in 79 until they finally win. But staying the course and tweaking the club, I know did work. I'm just saying these guys are a little bit older. They're a little bit older. They're ready to win now, Craig. Like, the time is nigh for the Florida Panthers. So, okay, here's what I'll say. You know what Bill Torrey bet on? He bet on a 27-year-old Dennis Potvac. He, 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 he bet on a 25-year-old Brian Trottier. And he bet on a 23-year-old Mike Bossy. And he bet on a hell of a coach in Al Arbor, okay? I'm not saying that they're automatically going to win the cup. I'm not buying that there's a stench there if they did put a bet on that Florida Panthers because they're one of the top contenders. All right. Time now for KB on ice an inside look at the national hockey league brought to you by our friends at sports interaction. Craig, as you know, sports interaction is Canada's sports book. Craig, want to make some money? I'll yes. make you some money. This is an easy three team parlay. Okay. Not a lot of money, but the smart money, Carolina, Calgary, Toronto, on this President's Day and Family Day in parts of Canada, those three teams will win. They'll have fun doing so, and I guarantee it on this day, Mr. Butt. Well, I need some money. Do you know why I need some money? Because I said if I was wrong last Thursday that I would buy you lunch. So yes. I got to buy you lunch. So I, I need some money in my pocket to pull out because you're not going to let me off the hook there. So Calgary going for 10 in a row against the Winnipeg Jets. You know what I am with the Winnipeg Jets? My head hurts. I'm confounded. I'm trying to figure out the Winnipeg Jets. I can't figure them out. I see good. I see bad. I see everything in between. I don't know what they are. I'm, I'm confused. 
Oh, come on, Toronto going into Montreal. Give me a break. I mean, that is going to be, that might be a bloodletting in the, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, because it'll be fun day. And remember Montreal played on Sunday. Yep. And when you look at some of the things that we've talked about in terms of the uh, betting lines, I think sometimes it's okay to be safe. Sometimes Craig Ramsey, your buddy said safe is death. Sometimes you say, you know what, let's make the smart money work. And I think in this situation, Craig, We've got some smart money on the board on this day. You're smart. I like to think I'm smart. Some days I'm smarter than other days, but I'm going to go along with your smartness today. Well, folks, if you want to be smart or make some other bets, check out all NHL odds, props, and totals at SIA.com. That's SIA.com. And sign up today at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button to place your bet. Sports Interaction is Canada Sportsbook. The countdown is on we're basically t-minus four weeks away mr button from trade deadline 2022 we've done a lot of florida love i think we should start there and kind of move around the national hockey league florida need want stand pat you know the players you know the league i try to mix and match some is it too easy to say ben shira would also help there or do they need a top four one one more one more defenseman to go with this group and then Bill Zito can say, okay, boys, let's go win in the playoffs. Where do you look around the league to help Mr. Bill Zito? Are you ready for this, Mr. Coolius? Oh, you're going to wow me. Can I guess? Can I just guess? Yeah, you can guess. John Klingberg. Nope. Okay. Uh, it's not Ben Sherratt, so I don't know then. Uh, you go off the board. The Florida-born Jacob Chikrin. Oh. I want to explore that to the nth degree. What's it going to take? What can I do to add that defenseman? Great contract. 22 years old. That's what he is. He's 22 years old. Okay. And I add that player there, take some pressure off. I may be able to get, I know Uyghur and, and Ekblad have been excellent. Just gives me another option. I like options, Steve, for to mix and match my lineup, right? I'm not saying he's available. I don't know. I don't know who's available. That's not my job. All I know is if I'm Bill Zito, I am phoning Bill Armstrong and I want to find out, Hey, Billy, it's Billy. <laughs> Tell me, you know, there's three Billy general managers. Now, Billy Guerin too, like, you know, like <laughs> get three Billies in a room. <laughs> Do you know what they call it? A Billy club, huh? <laughs> so you phone Billy and say, Billy, I want Chickering to come home. Jeff will be very happy, but it'll cost you probably a Spencer Knight. Would you make it? Well, listen, you got Bobrovsky for the next number of years. Like, you know what? Like, let, let me ask you this. You got Bobrovsky. Okay, so you know, you, you, you just talked if they don't win, there's, there's going to be a stench there, right? Like, do I make that trade? In a second. In a second. Okay, that's, fact, that's exciting. In, in fact, if Bill Armstrong asked me for Spencer Knight, I, I would go, oh, geez, that's a big price. I, I, because I wouldn't want to be too quick to say yes, because I might scare Billy off. <laughs> okay. In a second. See this hat, Dallas? In a Texas second. Right. Okay, well, then we're talking the first-round pick, big deal, 31st. Uh, then we're talking. I don't think they have their first-round pick. I think it went to the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, that's right. The Sam so, Reinhardt deal. So then we're looking at next year, and then – uh, Arizona will say non-lottery protected and Florida would look at their roster and, and probably say 
yeah, we're not worried about top 10. Or sometimes that's a non-starter for managers. But there's got to be a first-round pick involved. Then there's got to be a Spencer Knight. Then there's got to be another piece of the puzzle that you don't want to make on your roster. You know, maybe unless it's a Brandon Montour, something has to go back. You know, Chickering's got term. JT Miller has term. We've talked about players who have term. Do you think term could go like Tyler Toffoli, that this will be a trade deadline of expiring contracts, which are sexy to some teams because we don't got any. Billy Garen doesn't want to take any money on because he's got two big matzo balls hanging in the air next year. So that could hurt for JT Miller. Do you think this will be a typical UFA July 13th this year trade deadline? And if you add guys with term, doesn't that make it even more sexier, Mr. Button? It does if you have space, right? So, I, like, I can only tell you this, Steve. There's, I mean, I'm just doing a quick count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 teams are into LTIR already, which tells you they don't have cap space, right? Like, you know, I had this discussion last week with somebody. There wasn't a big market for Tyler Toffoli because he's got two years left on his contract. And teams do not have cap space. So, you know, the fact is, okay, yeah, the teams that are at the bottom of the league, yeah, they have cap space, but are they giving up a prospect and a first-round draft pick to Montreal for Tyler Toffoli? It was a very narrow group of teams that, that, were, that were interested in Tyler Toffoli. Not, not the player, the contract, right? And the LA Kings don't need Tyler Toffoli. They need a defenseman, in my view. They should be on Jacob Chikrin, too just so, you know, depending on what they're going to do. Yeah. Bottom, bottom line is, you know, when you're, when you're up against the cap and, and you're looking at next year and you're trying to figure out, okay, what does it mean? What doesn't it mean? Our revenue's up. What does the cap mean? All I know is this, you got to be really careful in terms of how you add contracts going forward. I think it's going to be more of a UFA, you know, and if you want to trade, remember they, they moved Pitlick out. Right, they moved Pitlick out from Calgary, so they did move some money. Not, a, but next year, you know, they don't know what's going to happen with Goudreau. But again, you asked me about this year versus next year. Calgary just positioned themselves very nicely. To me, this is uh, this is a situation where most teams they got they got to explore the UF. They got to explore the players that have expiring contracts, just because of the salary cap circumstances. So I've got on my phone here the TSN trade bait board. Cause it's, it's fun. It's sexy. I'm staying at number one here. Casey Kasem. It's Jacob Chikrin. You mentioned Florida, the sexiness of that and LA. I ask you this, my friend, like I used to on the desk. Okay. Would you, if you're Rob Blake, be willing to part with anyone, not everyone, but anyone for Jacob Chikrin. If it was 55 going the other way, is that a non-starter? Or are you still at the table? 55, of course, folks, is Quinton Byfield. It's not a non-starter. Steve, I'm a huge believer, okay? And, and, and I, you, you, if you want to start in a negotiation by saying no, right? So, like, is it comfortable for Rob Blake to hear Quinton Byfield's name in a, in a trade? No, it never is. But what you do is, is you sit, like, like you're talking about Jacob Chikrin, 22 years old. Great contract, really good player, right? The, the, the LA Kings have lots of good forwards. Quentin Byfield, one of them, right? Why do people say, no, I wouldn't do that? You, okay, what does it mean? If we trade Quentin Byfield, what does our other center ice uh, 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 
prospects look like? What does it mean for our team today? What does it mean for our team going forward? All the things you don't start like I never, you should never start with no, never. And too many teams in professional sports start with no. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Oh, it's too hard. Oh, do you know how hard it is with the cap? Everybody tells me how hard it is. All I know is these managers are all making big money and, and they're telling me how hard it is. Well, geez, thanks for that. Wow. Who knew, Steve? Who knew how hard it was? Well, bottom line is no. Every consideration is on the table. What does it mean for our team? Those are what you got. Doesn't mean you have to say yes. It doesn't mean you have to say no, but don't start with no. Well, I would guess that Rob Blake, if he didn't say no, is selling the Chercots, the Kaliavs. I heard Gabe Velarde on one of the rumors. And, you know, it's one thing if that was a five-piece trade and Gabe was four or five. Come on here. I'm not so sure what Gabe Velarde is going to be at the NHL level. And I thought he actually started strong when he got some NHL ice before the Kings got good and got Philip Deneau, who, by the way, what a season... Kopitar, Denode down the middle, and if Byfield does stay and be the three, but I'm intrigued. And you're missing one guy in there, Rasmus Kupari, and Rasmus Kupari is another centerman, and he, and he's a right shot centerman with speed and competitiveness. So you're saying trade Byfield, keep him, or if I, I didn't I'm... say trade. See, you're okay. you're trying to make me say yes. I, I am. Just, I am. <laughs> these are all considerations, Steve. And all considerations have to be on the table when you're talking about a player like Jacob Chikra. I was in Dallas. We traded Jerome McGinley. The, so I don't want to hear about how hard it is or not having good. Did we want to trade Jerome McGinley? No, we didn't want to trade Jerome McGinley. We were getting Joe Newendike. And I know how that worked out. And it was almost the perfect trade for both teams. A fairy tale story on either side, giving up something to get something. So, um, so we talked about two sexy deals. Ben Sherratt, less sexy. Are, are you buying? Is are we now pumping his tires up and making him something that he's not? Is that ha what happens at trade deadline? Um, is he a first and a third? Is he a first in something else? Um, if it was you and you're one, you're the contenders that has room for a three-four defenseman. He's a four. He's like? not a three. He's okay, a four. four. Is he a nice four? And where is four a fit? And you buy my tire pumping analogy he, he's a four that needs support that's what okay. he needs so why don't we go why, why don't i go and look at the at the colorado avalanche for an example because okay. i think he'd be a nice fit there i do so imagine if you you, you got you got devon Tays and kale mccart not yep. bad right why not Schrott and eric johnson coming back hey you got some ball you know what i don't you got you still got samuel gerard right like so you know where does where does samuel gerard fit in and and, and the bottom line is now, now, now you got two bulky defensemen that you might be able to play Samuel Girard with. And Samuel Girard can play the left or the right side, right? So when I talk about where teams can look at how they how, how they add a player, like like the Florida Panthers, they can look at it. Could, could Ben Sherratt go in there and help them? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an addition. Steve, what's one of the most common things we hear at the depth? Oh, we need defensive depth. Ooh, wow. Talk about original thinking. Yeah, you need defense. It's obvious. Would, it, would Ben Sherrod add defensive depth to the Florida Panthers? Yeah. But I look at a place like Colorado where you go, okay, that's, that's, that's a price I'm willing to pay because that gives my team a different look. And it gives me Sam Gerard to be able to handle different situations with some support. That's what Ben Sherrod is. He's a support defenseman. 
He, he competes. He defends pretty well. Not great, but pretty well. He's a support defenseman. He's a support for your top guys to play in different roles, penalty kill. And he can play with different types of players and lend them that, 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 that support. That you, He's like a reinforcement. Let's not make him out to be something he isn't. But that's a good spot with Eric Johnson. And that makes oh. a skilled puck moving. And I, I love Taves. You know where I am on the Taves, the Pelics, the, the, the guys that probably would have been on Team Canada, the way Mark Edward Vlasic was and, Joe, and Jay Bollmeister. We've got guys that can score from the back end and move the puck. Defending is very important as far as defensemen. But in Florida, if it goes Uyghur, Ekblad, Forsling, Gudis, Montour, and then if it's Sherratt, because Carlson doesn't play a lot, Nudavari's hurt, it could work out there. And if you're further down the lineup, that's an option as well. And if I'm Sherratt, I'm thinking to myself, of course, I'd like to go to Tampa if they got room for me, but they probably don't. Florida would be a sexy pick. Uh, does uh, Carolina need a defenseman? Then there's Colorado. Then there's the excitement, I think, about being traded. I like your Colorado fit. I think that it would also work in, in, in Florida. So the, the pumping of the tires, are we overvaluating him? And is it a first in something else? Like, a, Is it a no-brainer now that the Habs will get a first-round pick for Ben Sherratt? I, I think it is, Steve, just based on, you know, marketplace dynamics and desires. But when you ask me about a first and a third, that's why I went right to Colorado. I went right, right. to Colorado because I think that, like, he, he's a player that rounds out their team. He's a player that gives them, like, you know, like I said, like, Ben Sherratt would, would support the Florida Panthers. You, you just mentioned their second pair of defense. It's Radko Gudis and Gustav Forsling. Great competitors, Right. I'd like a player that can come in between Uyghur and Ekblad in there, you know, and that's why I say Chikrin would venture on. Yeah. He would, he would reinforce it. He would anybody can over evaluate, evaluate anybody. Okay. It all depends what lens you want to look at it through. So, you know, bottom line is you better see a player for what he is, just what he is. Doesn't mean you don't take a chance on him. It doesn't, Oh, maybe there's more there, but the bottom line is you better know what Ben Sherrod is. I think it's pretty clear what he is. We could go on forever, and we will over the next four yes, more we will. I mean, I can name a player and try to connect them, but we'll we'll save a, a, a section each week for, or twice a week for our trade deadline stuff. Uh, Olympics, okay, men's side. I'm saying because the women's was great. They got five million in Canada, three and a half million in the states, and the the bigger uh, picture there is not as serious as it relates to the men's side and Rennie Fassell criticizing Finland. Uh, it was great for Slovakia, but it was, I mean, if best on best is an A plus tournament and the world championships is a B plus tournament. Well, this for sure is, is below that because there's better players at the world championship and I'm not diminishing Slovakia or Finland. I actually wanted Finland to win. I got to admit, I was cheering for the pesky Finns. I was ready. And when they came off the bench, I was happy for them and uncle leo and everything else but then i'm watching the game with my you know and I'm, i didn't watch it as closely as i would if it was best on best i didn't watch as much as i would if it was best on best because it's different once you've been there and seen it so i'm talking about 200 by 85 and the rink and this kind of stuff and i'm my mind's going something's weird here something's wrong and i notice wait a minute they got 13 feet behind the net not 11 like we do and without giving out too many numbers to our listeners the configuration of this rink is not nhl the ice surface is nhl but the configuration is different Craig, having a smaller offensive zone, two wasted feet behind the net, not 50 feet between the blue lines, did that also help contribute to low scores? Less skilled players have less time and space in the offensive zone. I think the Swedes and the Finns, 
maybe the throwbacks knew this. They jumped on players and we had less exciting hockey. Is there a theory to not having the NHL configuration at the Olympics also with not A plus players in your mind? Well, I mean, at, at, at the end of it all, like, I mean, we know that the best players weren't at the Olympics. So, so there's going to be less skill. There's a great fallacy that's out there that, oh, you have to be fast and more skilled to play on the big rink. That's not true. It's not true. It's a fallacy. In fact, you, you, you benefit by being slower and less skilled on a big rink because you don't have to operate in small spaces. You don't have to operate. You know, when you start to look, you know what configuration never changes, Steve? Dot to dot <laughs> in, on the offensive circles, top of circles to the net. So I don't care. You, you, you can play on the Atlantic Ocean. You got to come inside that area to score and you got to be able to attack. So what do you say? You're, you're moving the, you're moving the backboards below the goal line, further back from the net. And, and that's going to help you score. You're further away from the net, the big rink. You're further. Yermer Yager said it best, you know, the big, the, the big ice hockey, you got to beat the same guy twice to get a scoring chance. Like it, it, it packs in when you're a skilled player, you can operate in any environment, but on a smaller surface, you know, we talk about small area hockey, tight, you know, tight spaces, the best skilled, the most skilled players can operate there. The least skilled can't. So why is there no scoring? I'll tell you why. Because there wasn't enough skill and they can't operate in that, in, in that space. So bottom line is, it's not just the players. It's also, as you talk about the configuration, but, you know, I'm not so sure it would have been much different. It certainly didn't help by having that configuration. But with the lesser skill, I'm not so sure it would have been much different. You know, yeah. I, the, the, the game on the big ice is a slower game. And this wasn't the big ice. It was NHL. No. But just to give an example, we go 11 feet from behind the net to the goal line. They had 13. So I, I think that's two wasted feet. And that's two feet that you don't have to go back and check. You just wait and say, well, you got to come through the post and me. Why would I engage you there? If there's less room you might engage in that spot because if i poke it by you then i can go the other way but i'm not going to take that chance as an example when kale mccarr gets the puck at the point and he's got the puck on the blue line from that blue line to the goal line is 64 feet in the nhl at the olympics from what i read and i saw and do the do the math that's 58 that is now six more feet squared of less space for less skilled players. Yeah. That, that contributed. That, that, that's a huge difference now. Oh, it's only two feet behind the net. You have two feet, 85 wide. Oh, six feet, 85 wide. We just took away time and space from lesser skilled players, and you're wondering why it was a 2-1 tournament? So, yeah, would have been better with the McDavid's and everything else. My advice to the IIHF and the IOC moving forward is, when you're going to use an NHL rink, Use the NHL configurations as well. That was a miss, which I didn't hear on the broadcast either. That was a miss by the IIHF in Beijing. You know what else was a miss? Renee Fassell being critical of the Finns. You know what? Longtime president of the IIHF, Finland is a model, is a model of success across every level of hockey. Men's under 20, under 18, under 17 women's. And for him to criticize the, 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 the Finns, that was incredibly disappointing. I, I can't believe he did that. I'm going to finish with this on the Olympic discussion. Miro Shatan, a, a, a wonderful NHL player, 
president of the Slovak Ice, hired Craig Ramsey a number of years ago to lead their team. And because he knows Craig and he knows what he did. Now, after the 28 Olympics, there was some, oh boy, maybe he's not the right guy. Miro Shatan said, if we're going to change and we're going to progress, we need this mindset that Craig Ramsey brings to us. You know, he, he, he had a lot of resistance. He had a lot of resistance within the Federation. He stuck with Craig Ramsey. Craig Ramsey's a dear friend of mine. I love him. I've learned as much from Craig as anybody in this game that I've worked with. And I couldn't be happier for both Miro Shatan and Craig Ramsey and Slovak hockey. Well said. Awesome. Love Craig Ramsey as well. Uh, he's not Slovakian. That's why there was a resistance. But guess what? We see it in uh, international football all the time. Get the best person for the job wherever they're from, and they'll help make other coaches and players better. And that's why I think Yuka Yalanen could coach in the NHL right now. Time now for Final Thoughts, brought to you by our good friend Paul Cohen, ultimate hockey fans, not a person or a group of people. For more information, if you want to see his great line of products, NHL merchandise, ultimatehockeyfans.com. If you want our discount, forward slash cool button pod, check it out. Final thoughts for me, my final thoughts, ladies and gentlemen, is Philip Forsberg. Notice the Preds dropping a little bit. Notice their cushion and not being with the big three of Colorado, Minnesota, and St. Louis changing. So they're moving into no man's land in our sport. You don't want to be in no man's land because we're not good enough to win. And are we just going to get in to get slaughtered in the first round? What they do with Philip Forsberg is so intriguing. Look, I know David Poyle a little bit. He's been in hockey a long time. I've interviewed him and everything else. This is intriguing how this is handled. To keep him and lose him next year for nothing and lose in the first round or miss the playoffs entirely is a scary no-man situation. I love Philip Forsberg. I want him on my team. Some team might get him in the summer. Maybe some team will get creative right now. That intrigues me big time, Craig. I like Philip Forsberg too. Do you know what disappoints me, Steve? No, I'm wearing this hat today. Because Dallas you're Stars off. disappoint showing me. Off. Dallas Stars. Dallas Stars disappoint me. Why so? Pourquoi? I'll tell you why. Because, it, because they're a team that's kind of been a teeter totter. Seesaw, up, down, up, down, year in, year out. Oh boy, they're good here. They're not so good there. They talk about the playoffs, playoffs, and they go and lose to the Arizona Coyotes. Like, are you kidding me? How can anybody take you seriously when you go lose to the Arizona Coyotes when you're in a so-called playoff push? They disappoint you. Yeah, teeter-totter is great for them. Some days I'm like, wow. And then you go, wow. Well, as the music comes in, we hope we've wowed you for 40 <laughs> plus minutes on episode 41. I love the trade talk. We could just talk trades for 24 hours a day because it's so intriguing and the fans do love it. For producer Bruce Bolton, Mr. Craig Button, Stanley Cup champion with the hat, I'm Steve Coolius. We'll see you next time. Be well. Be well.